Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 24. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Judah... Y'all see this? Have 400,070 men or 470,000 men who drew the sword. You see that? Now, that's 1,100,000 men who drew the sword. Judah had 470,000 men who drew the sword. So Samuel, here, let's do this math. Samuel tells us, we just read it, right? Has 1,300,000 who drew the sword. Now, some say, well, there's a discrepancy in the Bible. Because Samuel says there was 1,300,000. Chronicles tells us there was 1,000,000 just over 140,000. 470,000, yeah, 1,470,000. So people say there's a discrepancy there. Well, note this, saints. Samuel tells us 800,000 valiant men. When Samuel tells us that these are 800, look at Samuel again in verse 9, 800,000 valiant men or seasoned men. Then there were soldiers who were just fighters, not seasoned warriors, now, the account in 1 Chronicles 21.6, we learn, if you look at verse 6 in 1 Chronicles 21, it tells us the number did not include Levi or Benjamin. Are y'all getting that? They weren't counted. So if you count the men who were not seasoned soldiers, and you also count the men of Levi and Benjamin, you come up with the number that's in First Samuel, Second Samuel, a lot of numbers, Second Samuel 24. You see that? And people say, oh, there's a discrepancy. There's no discrepancy. It all works out. Notice, let's move forward. Second Samuel, go back there. Look at verse 10. I'm going to try to finish this chapter in like 15 minutes, okay? Don't laugh. I'm going to do it. And David's heart, I have to because we're done tonight. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David, verse 10, said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly, underline that, I've sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly, not just foolishly, very foolishly, foolishly. Now, when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things, 
Choose one of them for yourself that I might do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, shall seven years, here's one, seven years of famine come to you in your land, here's two, or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they chase you, or three, there will be three days plague in the land. Now consider and see what I answer and take back to him who has sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hands of men. And so David, and so the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from morning till the appointed time from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord, underlined this, relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, it's enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, surely I have sinned and I've done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, Lord, be against me and against my father's house. Joab counts the people and gives David the number. After David in verse 10, hears the number. Did you get this? His heart feels condemned. His heart feels condemned. David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So after David hears the number, his heart is condemned. The King Jimmy says David's heart smote him. The word condemned means attacked or assaulted. It has the idea of being wounded and crippled. Condemnation, saints, is of the devil. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. One drives you away from God. One draws you closer to God. Condemnation drives us away from Christ. Conviction drives you to the foot of Jesus. If you feel condemnation, that's the Lord. If you feel convicted, then you should thank God. Condemnation is not the Lord, but conviction is. So if you feel convicted, you should thank God because that means that the Holy Spirit is still working in your life. When you stop feeling convicted, be afraid. Be very afraid. Because conviction is from the Holy Spirit. That means he's still working in your life. David said, surely, verse 17, I have sinned. Second Samuel 12, Nathan, you know, comes to David about Bathsheba. And David said, I have sinned. Psalm 51, David said, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. It's really interesting that David had Uriah killed and Bathsheba was pregnant and he says, I've sinned. But here in 2 Samuel 24, David numbers the people and says, surely I have sinned. Some of your Bibles say, I have sinned greatly. I have sinned greatly. Certainly the sin with Bathsheba was no small thing. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost, there was great consequences. But here, David lost the lives of 70,000 people. 
David had nine months and 20 days to think about that sin. And after David hears the number, his heart feels condemned. And David immediately agrees with God and said, I've sinned greatly. Lord, take away my sin. I've done very foolishly. And this is what makes David a man after God's own heart. It's not that David was perfect. David kept a short account with God. David kept a short account with God. When David sinned, David acknowledged it, said, God, forgive me, and God restored him. And that's the way we have to be. Lord, forgive us. And he will. If we ask him, keep a short account with God. When David sinned, David didn't seek to cover it up. The Bible says, he who seeks to cover his sin shall not prosper. Happy is the man whose sin has been forgiven, Psalm 32, 1. Notice in verse 11, God is using someone else to speak to David until his heart gets right. Verse 11, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, go tell tell David, the Lord is choosing, did you get that? One of three punishments. Verse 12, God told the seer, go tell David, got three choices for you, seven years of famine, You want to be on the run from your enemies for three months or three days plague in the land? God said it's either famine, military defeat, or pestilence. And as far as I know, this is the only time in the Bible we see this, where God lets someone pick the consequences of their sin. Gad said in verse 13, David, think it over and I'll come back in a couple of days for an answer. Verse 14, great verse. David said, I'm in distress. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercies are great. Y'all say amen. Amen. But do not let me fall in the hands of men. Then this meant that David chose the three days of plague or the pestilence. In the other two options, the king and his family would have been protected from danger. David knew that he had to expose himself to the chastisement of the Lord. And I like that verse, Lord, don't let me fall into the hands of men. David said, Lord, I'd rather fall into your hands because men are brutal. And man's punishment will be excessive. You know, it's almost like that's why you raise your kids and you spank your kids appropriately because you know when they get out there in the real world, the world is not going to treat them and chastise them appropriately in love and in grace and in mercy. So you do it because you'll do it in love and grace and mercy. David says, Lord, let me fall in your hands for punishment, not for man. Because man, they'll be brutal. Men are brutal. David's remembering the God who has been gracious. Look at verse 15. David chose the plague and the Lord sent the plague upon the lamb from morning till the appointed time, the time of the evening sacrifice. And notice verse 16. When the pestilence comes, there's an angel. I don't know why I never saw this before. There's an angel swinging the sword in the threshing floor of Ornan or Aruna. We'll talk about that in a minute. See the two names, Aruna or Ornan. Ornan, O-R-N-A. We'll talk about it. The angel is striking the land. He kills 70,000 men. Verse 15, the angel, did you get this? Is swinging a sword. This is a picture for you. The angel is swinging his sword 
And as he's swinging the sword, pestilence is coming out. Pestilence is breaking out. But God in verse 16 is gracious and merciful. And it was so much breaking his heart that God said enough. I can't even go the entire three days. Notice, I'm going to tell you this quick. I want to go into it more, but we don't have time. The Lord relented or the Lord repented. This is what we call in the world of theology an anthropomorphism. An anthropomorphism. An anthropomorphism comes from two Greek words, anthropos, which means man, and morphos means to form. An anthropomorphism is a theological term meaning to take a human activity and ascribe it to a divine being to help us understand what he does or making God in some way into a human form. For example, the Bible says that his face was against evil. The Bible says the hand of the Lord is on the, 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 the eyes of the Lord are on the, on the righteous and his ears are open to our prayers. The Bible says that God scattered enemies with his strong arm. Those are all anthropomorph, anthropomorphisms because we know that God doesn't have eyes. And we know that God doesn't have ears. And we know that God doesn't have hands and he doesn't have an arm. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But we phrase it that way to help you understand using a physical human attribute to help you understand what the writer is saying. So the eyes of the Lord, are, in other words, God sees everything. That's the point. Did you get that? An anthropomorphism. Okay. Y'all don't care. All right. It's a very wise thing for David to leave himself in the hand of God, right? David couldn't trust man to relent from destruction like a true shepherd. David said, God, punish me in my house. David said, Lord, spare the sheep. What have they done? Then look at verse 18 through 25. And Gad, verse 18, came that day to David and said to him, go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. So David in verse 19, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded and Aruna or Ornan looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And then Aruna said, why has my Lord, the king, Come to his servant. And David said to buy the threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. And Aruna said to David, let the Lord, let my Lord, the king, take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here's the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. And all these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, David, may the Lord your God accept you. And then the king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built an altar there to the Lord and offer burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. Before you shut your Bibles, listen, Gad comes to David and says, go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. When David hears this, he takes a deep breath because David knows 
that when an altar is going up, God is going to be satisfied. So Aruna looked and saw David coming toward him. He ran out and he bowed himself before David with his face to the ground. And notice in verse 21, he said, why have you come, King David? And David said, to buy the threshing floor, to build an altar to the Lord. And verse 22, keep up with me. Aruna said, you don't have to buy it, just take it. And he offered David everything, oxen, burnt sacrifice, the tools for the, for the, uh, for the, for the, for the, uh, the brazen altar, everything. And David said, no, verse 24, I'll buy it because I won't offer to God that which costs me nothing. Listen, what we learn, what we learn, sacrifice and worship always cost something. Sacrifice and worship always cost something. And if it doesn't cost anything, it's probably not sacrifice. It's probably not worship. Worship costs time. Worship costs resources. Worship costs energy and ministry. Worship costs you your coolness. Some folk don't like to worship the Lord because they don't look cool. Well, it's just, it's just not cool looking to be like that's not cool. And yeah, slip your hand up to the Lord. Yeah. Because you'll look cool. Listen, worship costs something. Worship always costs something. You don't believe me? Ask Abraham. Ask Abraham. He'll tell you. David said, I don't want to offer to God that which costs me nothing. And notice the threshing floor was like no other threshing floor. This threshing floor had a really rich history and future. David, watch this, you're going to love this. David bought the threshing floor from Ornan or Aruna. And the threshing floor was located, please write this in your margin. The threshing floor was located on Mount Moriah. On Mount Moriah. Verse 25 tells us David built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Now, go with me to 1 Chronicles 21, and I'm going to leave you. 1 Chronicles 21. Now, I just told you the threshing floor was located on Mount Moriah. 1 Chronicles 21, 24. Then King David, 24, you looking at it? Say Amen. King David said to Ornan, no, but I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours from the Lord, nor burn offerings with that which costs me nothing. So David gave Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the place. And David built there an altar to the Lord, and he offered burnt offerings, verse 26, peace offerings. And he called on the Lord, and he answered him from heaven by fire on the altar of burnt offerings. And so the Lord commanded the angel and he returned with his, he returned his sword to his sheath. At that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him on the threshing floor of Ornan, that's Aruna, the Jebusite, he sacrificed there for the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of burnt offerings, which Moses had made in the wilderness were at the time at the high place in Gibeon. And David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid. Now, look at verse 22. Look at chapter 22. Look at chapter 22, verse 1. Then David said, this is the house of the Lord God, 
and this is the altar of burnt offerings for Israel. So David commanded to gather aliens who were in the land of Israel. Jump down to verse 5. Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious through all the countries, and I will make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 3. Second Chronicles chapter 3. I'm trying to show you that the threshing floor is Mount Moriah. And the temple is built there. Now Solomon in verse 1. Second Chronicles 3, 1. Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared, where saints, on the threshing floor of Onan, Onan the Jebusite. So David called on the Lord. He answered him from heaven by fire on the altar, and God commanded the angel to put the sword away in the sheath. First Chronicles 21, 28, we read it, and chapter 22, when David saw the fire of God fall from heaven on the threshing floor, David said, I know where the temple's to be built. First Chronicles 22, 1. Then verse 5, we just read it. Chronicles 3, 1, we just read it. Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared to David, the threshing floor of Ornan was Mount Moriah, where Abraham sought to offer Isaac, where Jesus was crucified on the Temple Mount. Listen, the Temple Mount is the tensest place in the world. Today, the Temple Mount is the tensest, that's a word in it, yeah, tensest place, most tense, Tentsist in the world, in the Middle East. The Temple Mount is the most contentious piece of property in all the world. Not Moscow, not Washington, and not North Korea. The greatest tension in the Middle East is at the Temple Mount. All this tension is over one, listen, I'm coming in for landing, is over one small piece of property And the tension is over who owns it and who has the property rights. But right here we learn there's a bill of sale. There should be no discussion. David bought it for 600 shekels of gold and he waited. Now, when we go to Jerusalem in 2019, our trip to Israel, we always go to the Temple Mount. It's awesome. People are there. On the Temple Mount is the Dome of the Rock Mosque. The Dome of the Rock Mosque. Around the top of the Dome of the Rock Mosque is inscribed these words. God is not begotten, neither does he beget. God is not begotten. If you've gone to Israel with us, you know we go there all the time. We always point this out. God is not begotten, neither does he beget. This is a slanderous statement against God and Jesus. Because John chapter 3 verse 16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His only begotten son. North on the Temple Mount, just about a few hundred feet, is a dome called the Dome of Tablets or the Dome of the Spirits. It's in this location that many believe 
This is where the threshing floor would have been located on Solomon's temple. Go back to 24 Samuel, just really quick. Go back to 2 Samuel 24, and and I promise you I'm going in here. I really am. David built an altar. Offer burnt offerings, peace offerings. This tells us David understood the death of 70,000 men was an atonement. Atonement could only be made through the blood of an approved substitute. Burnt offerings atoned for sin. Peace offerings were for fellowship with God. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel and God accepted the sacrifice by consuming it with fire. And God honored David's heart to be right with him. And he did that by accepting the offering. And God, listen, he always draws near to you if you draw near to him. And that's where we leave 2 Samuel, David drawing near to God. That's it. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.